Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John Mayo. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. In this roundtable discussion, I am joined by my sister Kay, and we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion around the first season of Supergirl. We reserve the right to spoil potentially Arrow, Flash, uh, some of the uh, the DC cinematic, you know, films and such, and possibly the Marvel TV yeah, shows because there's always that unintentional urge to compare and contrast. Well, the one thing. The Supergirl that you, you've you got to kind of compare and contrast to, I think, is a Superman TV show. Mm-hmm. Because much like Arrow is kind of a Batman show, Supergirl is very much a Superman show, except starring Supergirl. Well, Superman in silhouette appeared a few times. Uh, and I kind of like how they acknowledge he's in the universe. He plays a role in the story as... Not even supporting cast, but, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the the face you never see sort of a deal. Um, and there are some people that seem to think that Superman's kind of gotten uh, the short end of the script a number of times and just dismissed and, and whatnot. It's like the show's not about him. No, but it, to me it's felt a little awkward. Uh, I was okay with it, I think, near the end when he got taken over by the mind control. He's on the, the table and she just kind of ignores him or whatever. It's like, okay, I get that they kind of kind of dissed him a little or whatever, but that's so they didn't have to cast him exactly, also. Exactly, and that's what it was feeling like to me. But where his shadow is really uh, overwhelming, I think, and not in a bad way, but not, I thought a very noticeable way, is just the structure of the show. Mm, yeah. Okay, we've got Supergirl instead of Superman. We've got Catco instead of... We've got Jimmy Olsen. Yes, very Instead true. of, well, Jimmy Olsen. And technically, the role he's playing while he is Jimmy, the one who's more replacing Jimmy Olsen, is uh, Winslow Shot. Yes. Junior. Who's, again, kind of that lower level at the, the company or whatever. Mm-hmm. Instead of the Daily Planet, like you are saying, we've got Cat Co. Cat mm-hmm. Grant instead of Perry, Perry White. Mm-hmm. Instead of um, Lois Lane, we got uh, uh, Lucy Lane. So, I mean, there are a lot of things where it's very iconic Superman-ish. Mm-hmm. We've got the office romance. Yeah. I mean, everything is more or less the same, but one step removed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and really in that respect, Jimmy is in place of Lois almost. Yeah. But we still have a lane or two because we get the father at one point. And then I think one of the things that really stood out to you over the course of the season, and rightfully so, was how much Max Lord was just a stand-in for Lex Luthor. Okay, now, for those who were not watching it with us, you are rightfully calling me on that because more than once I asked you if Max Lord is a poor man's Luthlexer. Luthlexor. Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor, thank you. Wow, it's either dyslexia or... That's uh, dyslexia right there. Just showing how (laughs) non-comic book reading you are. No, that's dyslexia. Yeah. Um, But no, he... He was almost, but not quite, every time. Genius, didn't like the super person, you know, it's... Uh, uh, Millionaire. 
well, yeah, head of the company, the billionaire, t- you know, whatever. There were so many things that he was used exactly how Lex Luthor would have been used had this been a Superman show. Yeah. And I was... But not as well. And I say that in terms of, I loved John Shea over on Lois and Clark. I'll be honest. I never really warmed to him. I, I mean, I see what you liked about his character uh, on Lois and Clark, but... Well, to me, he had the charisma, the charm, the the billionaire thing going on. He was just evil, and you kept wanting him to get on the side of good. I think the problem with the Max Lord character was it was so easy to compare to Lex. Mm. And so hard for Max Lord to come out on top in that comparison. Yeah. And you look at the Lex Luthor in, in Lois and Clark, or you look at the Lex Luthor in Smallville. Yeah. Very strong character there. Very likable character at times. Yeah. So I think that put the... The, the character at a disadvantage. And again, the antagonist, so it's not like we're supposed to like him. Well, you come to the very end of the season, and right there in the finale two-parter, I'm finally starting to think, okay, there's hope for this guy. He's not as horrible as I thought he was in a variety of ways. And then the closing few minutes of the show, I'm banging my head against a wall going seriously. Um, Which part? The general betraying his oh, daughter yeah. effectively and yeah. handing stuff over to Max Lord, who's about to go off on another criminal mastermind. Haha, ha, I was just faking it for the two-parter because it, people can't be mindless drones. I didn't take it that way. I took it as this, if it happened once, it could happen again. We need to be able to defend against it or weaponize it ourselves or whatever. Max Lord thinks, much like Luthor at times, he's doing, he's the hero of the story. The other comparison I think needs to be made with this show is to, to both Arrow and Flash. Okay. And how, particularly early in those shows, because I think it's a little less so with Arrow now, you've got the home life, mm. the office life, mm-hmm. and the superhero life. Mm-hmm. You've also got the gathering of a team. The pulling in of the circle of trust. The, exactly. The support team and stuff. We very much have all of that here. And I don't think of Supergirl or Superman as team shows. And yet this was very much, to me, a team show. What's interesting with Supergirl is you've got the Catco mm-hmm. office and stuff like that. We've got Wynn, we've got Jimmy, we've got Cat, uh, Lucy at times. You've got them kind of splitting off to the hidden office for Supergirl's private little group. Mm-hmm. Much like the the Arrow Cave or the Star Lab stuff in, in Flash, mm-hmm. but then you've got the DEO stuff where you get her sister, uh, Supergirl's uh, sister, and stuff. You get uh, John Jones, uh, the Martian Manhunter. So you've got that whole thing. So at times you've got the dueling superhero lives almost, mm-hmm. um, and then you get a, a fair amount at her actual apartment with. The same players, but in the home environment. Mm-hmm. And well, at times also the, the Danvers. You've got the, do I want to do it with or without the government? Yeah. You know, and kind of like with some of the movies, there's this fear component. I Not as bad as in the movies, and not from the much, hero. Well, it came across from, from Max Lord, certainly. Yes, definitely. A lot of his motivation is just these... These aliens are, are exist and they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. And in this world, it makes sense, but there's also, it doesn't permeate society. But there's also a, 
I want to say a fear of the hero being controlled by the government, but a a fear that you you have to both work with them and be independent of them. What I liked with this is through Cat Grant and Cat Co, there was very much a how does the hero get branded? How, do people trust the hero? What breaks that trust? How can that be rebuilt? Yes. And there was some very, I think, subtle commentary around how we as a society deal with uh, celebrities, be them heroes or, or whatever. As well as just a power of the press yeah. commentary. I think when the season started, I didn't know much about Cat Grant as a character. Mm-hmm. Based on what I saw before the season started, I didn't expect much from the Cat Grant character. Uh, I'd been watching Callista Flockhart on Brothers and Sisters mm-hmm. for seasons a couple years ago. So I like her. I like what she's done. But I didn't know anything about what would she do here. And all the other characters seemed to be a different age, place in life type thing from where they said that character would be. So I'm sitting here going, okay, so how are these characters going to interact with Cat Grant? And she comes on the scene as this amazing mentor, both to Kara and to Supergirl. And at times to Jimmy. I mean, yes. The, the Cat Grant character in the comics was never a huge character. She was, you know, supporting cast, whatever. But in Lois and Clark, showed up a little bit, but not used all that much. Again, kind of the gossip columnist, mm. whatever. This uh, show, in the course of a season, has done more to really flesh out what the character could be uh, than anything else. And there's a certain aspect of the larger-than-life persona that is around the character and that the character kind of has in her own head at times. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, a little bit of a a disconnect, but it's also clear, particularly near the end, it is a little bit of a persona. That's what people mm-hmm. expect out of her. That's how she's branded herself. Yes. And it works in the relationship she has with both Supergirl, with Kara, uh, with with Jimmy, with some of the, you know, Max Lord, some of the other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly entertaining, good, and uh, there are just nuances and twists to the character. Mm-hmm. That over the course of the season, they, they, they reveal a little bit more. We get to see a different side. And some things like that that was just a lot of fun. She added a lot to the show. Yeah. I think going in, I expected the least from that character, even knowing I have great respect for the actress, etc. Just because I knew the least it's about her. I wasn't expecting her to get used as much as she did. Neither was I. I I thought I don't want to say I thought she was a throwaway character, but I thought maybe a scene a week. It feels like in Lois and Clark, which obviously we're gonna have some spoilers about too. That Perry was there, but not front and center all the time. He probably shows up a lot more than I'm, I'm recalling or whatever. But it was hard to have a scene at CatCo without Cat being central to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were some, certainly the relationship stuff with, with the characters, whatever. But um, again, she she added a lot and um, Callista Flarkart just gave such a great portrayal of very, uh, I don't want to say over the top. But she she embraced the character wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. And there were yeah. a couple of times. I mean, there's this one scene where as she's going out, she's like, you know, tell Harrison Ford I'm flattered. I don't need, uh, date older men, particularly if they're married or whatever. And just kind of in, in her mind, she is all of that and more kind of. A yes, thing. yes. Which is funny because uh, Callista Flockhart is married 
to Harrison Ford. You yeah. know, and so it's kind of an in joke kind of a thing too. It's like she's having fun with the role. Yeah. Without making fun of the role. Yeah. And it plays both as a, a funny joke if you've got that knowledge, but also if you don't, because at the time I didn't, it's like, okay, that's just the way that character is. Yeah. You know, she takes no prisoners and no flack from anybody. Yeah. Well, and at one point uh, in the series of episodes with Italia Ricci, um, information is sent to them on a flash drive, I guess. Mm. And it's the kind of stuff that will destroy people's private lives. It's, you know, who is having affairs with who and that kind of stuff. And somebody expects her to publish it. And she's going, no, that that's not what we do. Well... She has a, a moral core and fiber that's interesting to find. They had also set up prior to that that she was on the opposite side of that equation at one point and almost getting pushed out of her own company. Yeah. So there's some aspects where it's, I don't say self-serving, but there is certain principles she holds very closely and deeply. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's part of why I thought she made a very interesting mentor figure for both Kara and Supergirl. Yeah. And the whole take on Supergirl in this series was I, I don't I didn't really have any certain expectations, but it, it wasn't this. Mm, interesting. And, yeah. Over the years in the Supergirl comics, she's been everything from the party girl on up and down. Mm. And what we get here is a very geeky, nerdish kind of a Supergirl, but not in a tech way. Mm -hmm. She has the game nights with her friends. She's kind of the mousy librarian-ish almost kind of a thing. And when in the pilot she comes out as Supergirl, or to save her adopted sister or whatever, foster sister, I guess would be the right. Anyways, mm -hmm. um, there's a certain now she doesn't have to hide aspect. Mm -hmm. So it allows the introvert to become the extrovert in certain situations. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of fun when that happens. Again, very different take on the, the, the just the very nature of, of what Supergirl can and should be. But it's a nice blend of she's in costume, she knows she is all of that, she's got this stuff to live up to. And also keeping that humble, uh, just a regular person-ish, mm -hmm. you know, still being, you know, Kat's, you know, assistant or whatever. I Go for it. I, mean, I loved the day that... Uh Hank Henshaw slash Jean Jones had to fill in for her at CatCo. Oh, yeah. That was a lot of fun. It's yeah. like, I can handle this. and Yeah. Yeah. But among other things, he developed an appreciation for why she goes to CatCo every day, for what she gains from everyone there. But that's also one of the things that makes this show so radically different than a typical Superman show, because Clark is a reporter. He is a person of importance, of, of substance, of... of, of having the ability with his words to, on equal footing with everybody else on the planet, change the world. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, Kara goes and gets coffee. Yes. Yeah. You know, there's a certain... She well, very much feels she is not above or better than anyone else. But, you know, to me, at Kako, she was learning from everyone. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting to me because... At first, when I saw the premise for where she would be, etc., I thought, well, that doesn't fit with the Supergirl I think of. Because I think of Supergirl being either at a boarding school or a college environment. Well, and typically in uh, particularly the, the 70s, 80s type stuff, that's more or less what she did. 
there is no iconic working life uh, era Supergirl type stuff. I mean, they've told stories in that era, mm-hmm. but it's not like, well, she works at the Daily Planet. Everyone knows that. It's like, no, no. But they they captured that she is learning aspect that I take for granted. They took it out of a school environment, but they still put her in that situation of she's the bottom of the wrong person learning. They did a good balance of she's early in her work life, she's just finding herself, but she's also very competent at what she does. Yeah. You know, she's able to have everything squared away and ready for Cat Grant, no matter what twists comes her way. And she can make sure the coffee's warm. The coffee's warm, that the the, the travel arrangements are set up, people are where they need to be, things happen. Mm-hmm. Well, super speed and a few other things like that probably help, but it's- a fun, you know, again, how do you make it to where somebody's still in that, that, that going up the ramp of their career, yet not? It, it was almost diametrically opposed to a typical Clark Kent, where he's the bumbling reporter. Mm-hmm. She's not got the competent reporter side of things, but she also doesn't have, well, she's got a little of the, the bumbling kind of a thing, because again, the geeky aspect. Well, and she's, in a lot of ways, she's the bumbling superhero. Very much they played with the how do you be go from, from ground zero to becoming the superhero. And I love the bit when uh, Wynn and Jimmy are kind of walking her through, okay, start small, mm. save the cat out of the tree, work your way up kind of thing. Build yeah. up to it. Yeah. Get some practice. And not just suddenly you can go save the world. Now, the actor who plays Jimmy is one I know from the show Necessary Ruff- Roughness. I had not seen him in anything prior to this. Now, on Necessary Roughness, he was a uh, NFL professional football player. You know I Mm -hmm. can't stand watching football. This show centered on a football player who has a problem. He keeps dropping the ball during football games. So he gets sent to therapy. And that's Necessary Roughness. Necessary Roughness. And at the end of each episode... There's a football game, and it's, has therapy been working? Will he catch the ball? Will they win the game? I managed to enjoy a television show all about football and football players because that actor was so good at getting you caught up in the off-the-field drama that affects where your mind is at and can you focus on the field. I have absolutely no doubt after the show he will find much, much more work he's- because he's- very talented. talented. He's very charismatic. Yeah. He's very much who I would not have thought to cast as Jimmy Olsen. And going back to what do I think of when I think of a character, I think of Jimmy Olsen being five to ten years younger than I think McCad Brooks probably is. Mm-hmm. Just going by guessing his younger, age by sight. Shorter. Yes. Less athletic. Yes. Um, not that it matters. White is typically you know, White Jimmy. and red hair. White, red hair, yeah. Red hair, you can kind of fudge if you had to. Yeah, but I mean, just going with the classic assumptions from what I've seen in the comics. Essentially almost more like what the Windshot character looks like than than Jimmy, but- But this guy nails it. Oh, he completely nails the role. Yeah. And what I like is not only is he a a older, wiser, further in his career, he's, he's in charge of the whole- visual layout and all of that stuff at at Cat Grant. So he's beyond just the photography, although he still does that. He's 
he's gone through the number of years, presumably, with Superman. He's got the, the signal watch. and I want the watch. Oh, man. I, I'm amazed they haven't done that as a, a collectible item. It's, it's cool looking. Whoever designs it's awesome. I want it. But he's got all of that experience behind him, but he's decided, I need to move out and be my own man, do my own thing. And it so happened that, you know, they Superman realized this is where Kara is. She could probably use somebody mm-hmm. keeping an eye out for her. Mm-hmm. And again, he's got the experience kind of doing that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. And just the, the chemistry between those two characters was so great. And again, he's he's very charismatic and brought so much to the role as kind of, again, the confidant, the guiding figure, the the think-about-it-this-way kind of a deal. The guy who reminds her what she set out to be, when she starts to drift off the course that she flat out said, this is why I want to be, this is where my goal is, Mm -hmm. when she strays from that, he reminds her. Very much kind of the moral compass at times. Yeah. Now, the other character that they created for this show is the sister. Ah, yes. Because uh, typically it was Linda Danvers was the, the secret identity. Ah, okay. So they kept the name Kara, fine. We get uh, a new set of adult Danvers is the parents, Jeremiah and I forget the mother's name. Uh, Jeremiah is played by Dean Kane, Superman yeah. from Lois and Clark. Yeah, Helen Slater, Supergirl from the movie, plays the mom. Um, so we see those intermittently, but then Alex... Danvers is completely new for the show. It's the older, you know, adopted sister or whatever. I guess this is the family that takes Kara in. Mm-hmm. Now, how exactly they knew Superman and how all that worked out, we get some hints at, but not too much time is spent on that. Superman knew Dr. Jeremiah. Danvers. Dr. Danvers. Yeah. And he was the one who picked there. Eliza Danvers. Eliza. And both of them were scientists, the parents and stuff. Mm-hmm. We get some many scenes over the course of the, the season of what it was like for them growing up, how she kind of Supergirl adjusted to, to life on Earth after her entire world blew up. An explanation of the glasses. Mm-hmm. I like that. And also why it took so long for her to become Supergirl. Mm. Not that she couldn't, but... Again, you'll be found out, how does all that work, you know, mm-hmm. world has Superman kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, the Superman in this world has been around for at least, I think, 10 years, mm. which allows for Jimmy to be at the spot in life, Cat Grant to be where she is yes. and stuff. Yeah. Um, and in this case, Alex has been recruited by the Department of Extra Normal Affairs, uh, Extra Normal Extraterrestrial Affairs. No, I was never positive. All right. In the show, it might be extraterrestrial because they're always dealing with aliens. And mostly Fort Ross. Yeah, which is, again, a Kryptonian prison that just happened to make it this way, uh, thanks to Supergirl's capsule and such. So we got the the underground bunker of the, the secret government organization and such. And we get Hank Henshaw as the leader of that. And that was played by David Harewood, who, who's... He does, I think, a really good job. He does. And he we, we find out... A, about a third of the way in, I guess, that he's John Jones, the Martian Manhunter, mm-hmm. who knew uh, Jeremiah Danvers. Mm-hmm. This being a twist from Smallville, where Phil Morris mm. uh, played the same character, but he had been a friend of Jorel. Ah, uh, okay. And was looking after Clark, kind of a thing. So I like how the creative team behind the show is aware of 
and kind of paying some homage to to the different ways uh, the characters have been in the comics and in TV. And again, bringing in Dean Kane, bringing in Helen uh, Slater. They also brought in Laura Vandevort, who played Supergirl in Smallville. And two or three of the episodes at the end here had the three people who've played Supergirl in live action on the show at the same time. Mm-hmm. I don't think we ever saw any scene with all of them. Mm-mm. But to me, it's akin to when they've had John Wesley Shipp yes. on The Flash, who played The Flash back in the 90s and stuff. So getting the whole government angle and all of that has been a lot of fun. Getting Martian Manhunter has been great. We got, in one episode, Red Tornado. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite episodes, though, the season of Supergirl has to be the Flash crossover. I loved it in terms of I loved having it in Supergirl. I was disappointed on the Flash side. The fact that we never really see the Flash side of it or the an acknowledgement of it having happened from there. We get one line. How long was I gone? To me, that even he never even mentions having been to another world, though. So yeah, yeah, I don't even count that necessarily. I mean, that's clearly when it happened. Yeah, but I love the bit when she encounters him, or he saves saves her, quote unquote, and they wind up out in the middle of nowhere because he overshot. And he's like, oh, "I'm kind of a big deal. I'm the Flash." She's like, "Huh?" Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Well, I'm Supergirl." And he's like, "Huh?" Yeah, you know. Yeah. And there's the kind of the the two characters and the two actors uh, actors actresses and stuff they've got that i'm kind of a big deal aspect but i'm also kind of just a regular person aspect Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the way that played the similar sensibility sense of humor and stuff again uh greg berlanti behind both of those shows it kind of makes sense you've got some similarities there now at the point when the episode started we had just found out that uh jeremiah's 99% 99% most likely not actually dead. Yes, he's presumably being held by Cadmus. Yeah. So then Flash arrives. We basically go to commercial right after that. And I ask you, what are the odds that Flash will help rescue Jeremiah? Because we had just had, over on Flash, his failure to save someone else's father, mm-hmm. and he cared and stuff. And I thought, you know, that would have been a really great plot line for him to get to be a part of. It would have been great character moments for everyone. Well, particularly if in The Flash there was a conversation like Joe, how you doing, Barry, kind of a thing. Let me tell you about my day. Yeah. And then kind of fade out kind of a deal. Yeah. Something to where it's a, here's what he did. And give just enough to, I met this girl. Yeah. You know? Um, that they could have could have referenced the crossover without blatantly referencing the crossover. Yeah. Um, now, the one thing that annoyed me in the crossover, and you've heard me complain about it ever since, up until the crossover, Kara wears red, white, and blue, and shades thereof, pink, etc. Suddenly, the crossover happens, and she's in a bright yellow dress. She hasn't been wearing much red, white, and blue ever since. I'll be honest, I had never really noticed the color scheme as being particularly uh, either that or, or particularly anything. To me, it was uh, uh, mousy librarian-ish kind of attire. And then suddenly she was in a neon bright yellow dress. I'm just saying we could be on alternate Earth ever since no, the crossover. Oh, okay. I, I don't think so. I don't think they did that to us either. I'm just saying it was disconcerting. What was kind of fun, though, is if you include characters we've seen over in 
Arrow and Flash and uh, Legends of Tomorrow and stuff, we've seen a surprising amount of, of uh, Justice League mm-hmm. satellite era characters. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but more so than probably any other single season of or you know TV season. Mm-hmm. Um, again, getting Red Tornado was fun. We've gotten a few other characters, Gorilla Grodd over on Flash uh, and, and King Shark and stuff. Supergirl never really went that all out with the the all CG type characters, but we've gotten a fair, or actually we've got a ton of other Kryptonians on the show. Yes. We got uh, a fair number of aliens from Fort Roz, um, which conveniently was the prison her mother had put Kryptonian uh, and other alien villains in, mm-hmm. including, I think, Jem, son of Saturn at one point, and a white Martian a few things, it's like, why were they over in Krypton? They're yeah. from our neck of the woods. Um, but then when we get Indigo, which is what uh, Laura Vandevort played and stuff, uh, kind of hinting at a, a Brainiac sort of situation. I mean, overall, I thought they did a really good job. It was entertaining episodes. It showed a lot of, of promise. A lot of it was really on the screen. Mm-hmm. Good characters, good character interaction, good dialogue, some amazing special effects. I liked how they saved everyone from Myriad. I liked how they had, not long before, they built Supergirl's reputation up, they tarnish it, she's rebuilding it, and this relies on that. Yeah. And it comes down to uh, the this world view is so much brighter and open compared to, and not as dark as, as the cinematic stuff. Yes, yes. Well, and she she speaks from the heart. And that's, again, one of the aspects of the character that I find so fascinating is how emotionally open she is, both as Kara and as Supergirl. She's troubled when things don't go well. She's, you know, emotionally stable, Mm -hmm. but also just going through some stuff. Yeah. You know, when she had let the city down, that weighed on the character. Mm -hmm. And in a very... House of L Kryptonian kind of a way, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Which apparently was very atypical for Kryptonians based on all the others we see. But they're naughty Kryptonians. I guess. Um, the one thing about the season that I question if it was the right move or not hmm. was the way they ended it. If they had ended about a minute earlier with everybody at the apartment of, hey, we won, we saved the world you know, drinks kind of a thing. Um, that'd have been fine. Mm-hmm. But then they have this pod from Krypton crash landing. They open it up and, oh my God, kind of reaction shot. And I'm like, okay, I guess we get that next season. And it just, it locks them into how they either need to open the next season or, okay, it's time later, but this is what had happened kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. It just seems like you're doing, as a creator, yourself a disservice because you're forcing certain aspects of the next season yeah i'm thinking it's probably crypto but the dog Mm -hmm. but we never saw any sign of any dogs on krypton very true uh or i mean it it just seemed like a very questionable move and particularly after uh the the finale when supergirl has saved the world she's almost you know lost and dying or whatever and her sister just happens to know how to fly her spaceship, go up, grab her, and come back. Yeah, I wondered about that. So I'm wondering if it's her sister in there and somebody else came back. It's like, 
they could have had a clean close for the season and allow them a little bit more uh, retooling time and space if they needed it. Mm-hmm. I don't think they need to retool because it doesn't feel like they've got extraneous characters or, or other things. I wasn't a fan of uh, Lucy's dad uh, basically betraying the DEO and handing stuff over to Max Lord. I didn't see that as a betrayal so much as it was his orders or whatever, and that... Well, it came right on the heels of no more secrets. We're going to work together. Max isn't getting that. Yeah. So, to me, betrayal. Uh, Government organization type stuff. Greater good. These aliens are powerful. What if she turns back? I mean, it's... Yes, it's a betrayal, but it's also... If you lived in that sort of a world... Yeah. You know, it's like, we've got, uh, at that point, just maybe the two, but we, you you just had an alien invasion. Yeah. You're going to be a little sensitive to it. Ah, oh, so picky. So, I, th- I thought they did some fun stuff over the season. I want to see, I wanted to see more uh, Red Tornado come back, a few other mm. characters here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked how they dive pretty deep into the, the DC archives for a couple of characters, a few that they... Again, Jim, some of Saturn, and that kind of stuff. They didn't have to pull. I think there's a few that could be really fun to do. Um, I'm thinking Ambush Bug in particular. This is a character that is just a little off his rockers. And his uh, his power originally was he had these little teleport, these little uh, bug drone type things. And he could teleport and kind of switch places with the various ones. Oh, that's strange. So he would just, you know, teleport all over the place. And he was more just a kind of a nuisance kind of a thing. And, and again, mentally challenged. Mm. And one of the stories they did, which I think would be fun for this show, mm-hmm. was he was a Superman mm-hmm. villain. He showed up in the Supergirl comic thinking it was like a red kryptonite thing or somebody had done something to Superman. Oh, gosh. And he was in drag. It's like, we can fix this, buddy. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And I think that would just be a hilarious Kind Because of, this was around the time where, just like when Mixelplick would come, it's, oh, i got to try to say his name backwards, he's gone for 90 days. This was the, okay, I've got to go fly over sit- around the city, go crush all the things, now he can't teleport, I can take him, and, you know, we're good. Um, kind of the uh, the the routine aspect of, of Superman. Mm-hmm. I could see that being fun. And particularly if, by the time they pick up with the second season, if we get one, She's had a little more time, has matured a little bit more as the hero. Is enjoying her job promotion. Yeah. I mean, I would love to have seen, because again, I think where they left off precludes this, but the next season open up with her having gotten into a really good rhythm as mm-hmm. Supergirl. Yeah. You know? Um, so again, they've they've done some great stuff. I think it was a fun show. I think there's a lot of competition this season mm. for superhero TV shows. I still think uh, Flash is is just a ton of fun. Same with Arrow and uh, and Legends of Tomorrow. The DC shows I think all have some similarities, some differences. Um, when I love that Supergirl and Flash are both on the lighter, brighter end of the scale. Mm-hmm. You know, th- I think that's part of why I liked how they fought Myriad with hope. Well, they they talked their way out of it. It's not, let's go crush this or whatever. Yeah. But they also did it in a way where we got some really good action scenes in those episodes, too. Yeah. But it's a, a not just, we must, you know, punch the bad guy kind of a thing. Well, and I loved Kara wouldn't fight her sister. Mm-hmm. 
they did some really good stuff with the relationship of the sisters over the course of of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Max was finding out about that, how some of that uh, impacted when um, Kara's uh, aunt died, mm-hmm. and and who was held responsible for that and all of that. Yeah. Um. It also seemed to be that if they'd had another episode or two the season, we might have gotten Jeremiah back. Yeah. That to me is a big open ended thing to deal with next season. Yeah. Um. Especially now we've told mom. Yeah. You can't come back from telling mom. Well, I was I was really surprised that the season ended kind of when and where it did. Yeah. I, I was, was I was stunned that was the season finale. Yeah, I think uh, it took us a couple of days to realize, oh, I, I guess that was it. Yeah. I was expecting, oh, we'll find out next episode who that is. We've got one more twist or two. Well, let's go find Jeremiah and let's end on a clean note, which would have mm-hmm. had an odd cadence in and of itself because, again, the Myriad thing was the what they were building to for the big bad. Yeah. Um, I did like the, the couple of times we got some flashback stuff on, um, Krypton. on Krypton, uh, including the, uh, the Black Alice or whatever plant. Which, again, was an adaptation of sorts of, uh, you know, what do you get for the man who has everything kind of storyline uh, mm-hmm. that Alan Moore did at one point. I think it was Alan Moore. Uh, again, classic Superman storyline. Again, well adapted here. Yeah. So I thought it was a fun show. I'm looking forward to more. Um, I really appreciate how they did the crossover with the Flash stuff across networks. I'm hoping that as the years go by that those sorts of doors open up a little bit further. And, yeah. Um, we we get to see some fun stuff in both directions. Well, I hope they keep doing the wonderful stuff they're doing with the characters, the relationship between the sisters, the mentoring that mm-hmm. Cat Grant is doing. I just I think they're doing a lot of excellent excellent stuff with respects to the writing there. Absolutely. Well, the superheroics are fun. The stuff, even if you took all of that out, mm-hmm. the workplace drama and some of that, it it plays well. Yeah, it's not heavy handed. It's not endless soap opera or whatever it's it again they they balance the different aspects of the writing fairly well yeah it's a well-rounded show anything else that pretty much do it that does it cool the show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode thanks for listening